Chapter Seven of Indian Child Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Indian Child Life by Charles Eastman. Chapter Seven Evening in the Lodge. I had been skating on that part of the lake where there was an overflow and came home somewhat cold i cannot say just how cold it was but it must have been intensely so for the trees were cracking all about me like pistol shots i did not mind because i was wrapped up in my buffalo robe with the hair inside and a wide leather belt held it about my loins my skates were nothing more than strips of basswood bark bound upon my feet I had taken off my frozen moccasins and put on dry ones in their places Where have you been and what have you been doing? Unchida asked as she placed before me some roast venison in a wooden bowl Did you see any tracks of moose or bear? No grandmother. I have only been playing at the lower end of the lake I have something to ask you I said eating my dinner and supper together with all the relish of a hungry boy Who had been skating in the cold for half a day? I found this feather grandmother and I could not make out what tribe wear feathers in that shape uh, I am not a man you had better ask your uncle besides you should know it yourself by this time You are now old enough to think about eagle feathers. I felt mortified by this reminder of my ignorance It seemed a reflection on me that I was not ambitious enough to have found all such matters out before uncle you will tell me won't you I said in an appealing tone I am surprised my boy that you should fail to recognize this feather it is a Cree medicine feather and not a warriors then I said with much embarrassment you had better tell me again uncle the language of the feathers I have really forgotten it all the day was now gone the moon had risen but the cold had not lessened for the trunks of the trees were still snapping all about our teepee Which was lighted and warmed by the immense logs which Unchida's industry had provided My uncle white footprint now undertook to explain to me the significance of the eagle's feather The eagle is the most warlike bird he began and the most kingly of all birds Besides his feathers are unlike any others and these are the reasons why they are used by our people to signify deeds of bravery It is not true that when a man wears a feather bonnet each one of the feathers represents the killing of a foe or even a coup When a man wears an eagle feather upright upon his head He is supposed to have counted one of four coups upon his enemy Well then a coup does not mean the killing of an enemy no, it is the after stroke or touching of the body after he falls It is so ordered because oftentimes the touching of an enemy is much more difficult to accomplish than the shooting of one from a distance It requires a strong heart to face the whole body of the enemy in order to count the coup on the fallen one Who lies under cover of his kinsman's fire many a brave man has been lost in the attempt when a warrior approaches his foe dead or alive he calls upon the other warriors to witness by saying i fearless bear your brave 
again performed the brave deed of counting the first or second or third or fourth coup upon the body of the bravest of your enemies naturally those who are present will see the act and be able to testify to it when they return the heralds as you know announce publicly all such deeds of valor which then become a part of the man's war record any brave who would wear the eagle's feather must give proof of his right to do so when a brave is wounded in the same battle where he counted his coup he wears the feather hanging downward when he is wounded but makes no count he trims his feather and in that case it need not be an eagle feather all other feathers are merely ornaments when a warrior wears a feather with a round mark it means that he slew his enemy when the mark is cut into the feather and painted red it means that he took the scalp a brave who has been successful in ten battles is entitled to a war bonnet and if he is a recognized leader he is permitted to wear one with long trailing plumes also those who have counted many coups may tip the ends of the feathers with bits of white or colored down sometimes the eagle feather is tipped with a strip of weasel skin that means the wearer had the honor of killing scalping and counting the first coup upon the enemy all at the same time this feather you found was worn by a cree it is indiscriminately painted all of the feathers worn by the common indians mean nothing he added tell me uncle whether it would be proper for me to wear any feathers at all if i have never gone upon the warpath you could wear any other kind of feathers but not an eagle's replied my uncle although sometimes one is worn on great occasions by the child of a noted man to indicate the father's dignity and position the fire had gone down somewhat so i pushed the embers together and wrapped my robe more closely about me now and then the ice on the lake would burst with a loud report like thunder Unchida was busy restringing one of uncle's old snowshoes there were two different kinds that he wore one had a straight toe and long the other shorter and with an upturned toe she had one of the shoes fastened toe down between sticks driven into the ground while she put in some new strings and tightened the others and four stars was beating a new pair of moccasins wabeda the dog the companion of my boyhood days was in trouble because he insisted upon bringing his extra bone into the teepee while Unchida was determined that he should not I sympathized with him because I saw the matter as he did if he should bury it in the snow outside I knew Shunktokicha the coyote would surely steal it I knew just how anxious Wabeda was about his bone it was a fat bone I mean a bone of a fat deer and all Indians know how much better they are than the other kind Wabeda always hated to see a good thing go to waste his eyes spoke words to me for he and I had been friends for a long time when I was afraid of anything in the woods He would get in front of me at once and gently wag his tail He always made it a point to look directly in my face his kind large eyes gave me a thousand assurances When I was perplexed he would hang about me until he understood the situation Many times I believed he saved my life by uttering the dog word in time most animals even the dangerous grizzly 
do not care to be seen when the two-legged kind and his dog are about when i feared a surprise by a bear or a gray wolf i would say to wabeda now my dog give your war whoop and immediately he would sit up on his haunches and bark to beat the band as you white boys say when a bear or wolf heard the noise he would be apt to retreat sometimes i helped wabeda and gave a war whoop of my own this drove the deer away as well but it relieved my mind when he appealed to me on this occasion therefore i said come my dog let us bury your bone so that no shunktokicha will take it he appeared satisfied with my suggestion so we went out together we dug in the snow and buried our bone wrapped up in a piece of old blanket partly burned and then we covered it up again with snow we knew that the coyote would not touch anything burnt i did not put it up a tree because wabeda always objected to that and i made it a point to consult his wishes whenever i could i came in and wabeda followed me with two short rib bones in his mouth apparently he did not care to risk those delicacies there exclaimed Unchida, you still insist upon bringing in some sort of bone but i begged her to let him gnaw them inside because it was so cold having been granted this privilege he settled himself at my back and i became absorbed in some specially nice arrows that uncle was making oh uncle you must put on three feathers to all of them so that they can fly straight i suggested yes but if there are only two feathers they will fly faster he answered wow wabeda uttered his suspicions wow he said again and rushed for the entrance of the teepee he kicked me over as he went and scattered the burning embers ina hina unchida exclaimed but he was already outside wow 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 a deep guttural voice answered him out i rushed with my bow and arrows in my hand come uncle come a big cinnamon bear i shouted as i emerged from the teepee uncle sprang out and in a moment he had sent a swift arrow through the bear's heart the animal fell dead he had just begun to dig up wabeda's bone when the dog's quick ear had heard the sound ah uncle wabeda and i ought to have at least a little eaglet's feather for this i too sent my small arrow into the bear before he fell i exclaimed but i thought all bears ought to be in their lodges in the winter time what was this one doing at this time of the year and night well said my uncle i will tell you among the tribes some are naturally lazy the cinnamon bear is the lazy one of his tribe he alone sleeps out of doors in the winter and because he is not a warm bed he is soon hungry sometimes he lives in the hollow trunk of a tree where he had made a bed of dry grass but when the night is very cold like tonight he has to move about to keep himself from freezing and as he prowls around he gets hungry we drag the huge carcass within our lodge oh what nice claws he has uncle i exclaimed eagerly can i have them for my necklace it is only the old medicine men who wear them regularly the son of a great warrior who has killed a grizzly may wear them upon a public occasion he explained and you are just like my father and are considered the best hunter among the santees and sissetons you have killed many grizzlies so that no one can object to my bear's claw necklace i said appealingly white footprint smiled 
my boy you shall have them he said but it is always better to earn them yourself he cut the claws off carefully for my use tell me uncle whether you could wear these claws all the time i asked yes i am entitled to wear them but they are so heavy and uncomfortable he replied with a superior air at last the bear had been skinned and dressed and we all resumed our usual places Unchida was particularly pleased to have some more fat for her cooking now grandmother tell me the story of the bear's fat i shall be so happy if you will i begged it is a good story and it is true you should know it by heart and gain a lesson from it she replied it was in the forests of minnesota in the country that now belongs to the ojibways from the bedawakanton sioux village a young married couple went into the woods to get fresh venison the snow was deep the ice was thick far away in the woods they pitched their lonely teepee the young man was a well-known hunter and his wife a good maiden of the village he hunted entirely on snowshoes because the snow was very deep his wife had to wear snowshoes too to get to the spot where they pitched their tent it was thawing the day they went out so their path was distinct after the freeze came again the young man killed many deer and bears his wife was very busy curing the meat and trying out the fat while he was away hunting each day in the evenings she kept on trying the fat he sat on one side of the teepee and she on the other one evening she had just lowered a kettle of fat to cool and as she looked into the hot fat she saw the face of an Ojibway scout looking down at them through the smoke hole she said nothing nor did she betray herself in any way after a little she said to her husband in a natural voice marpitopa someone is looking at us through the smoke hole and i think it is an enemy scout then marpitopa four skies took up his bow and arrows and began to straighten and dry them for the next day's hunt talking and laughing meanwhile suddenly he turned and sent an arrow upward killing the ojibwe who fell dead at their door quick oduta he exclaimed you must hurry home upon our trail i will stay here when the scout does not return the war party may come in a body or send another scout if only one comes i can soon dispatch him and then i will follow you if i do not do that they will overtake us in our flight Oduta scarlet protested and begged to be allowed to stay with her husband but at last she came away to get reinforcements then marpitopa four skies put more sticks on the fire so that the tepee might be brightly lit and show him the way he then took the scalp of the enemy and proceeded on his track until he came to the upturned root of a great tree there he spread out his arrows and laid out his tomahawk soon two more scouts were sent by the ojibwe war party to see what was the trouble and why the first one failed to come back he heard them as they approached they were on snowshoes when they came close to him he shot an arrow into the foremost as for the other in his effort to turn quickly his snowshoes stuck in the deep snow and detained him so marpitopa killed them both quickly he took the scalps and followed waduta he ran hard but the ojibways suspected something wrong and came to the lonely teepee to find all their scouts had been killed they followed the path 
of Mapitopa and Waduta to the main village, and there a great battle was fought on the ice. Many were killed on both sides. It was after this that the Sioux moved to the Mississippi River. I was sleepy by this time, and I rolled myself up in my buffalo robe and fell asleep. End of chapter 7 Evening in the Lodge